What is the best bargain on the wine list? My friend, the sommelier, pointed to the most expensive bottle on the list. And the customer made some snarky remark like, oh, really? Yeah, how convenient. The most expensive bottle is the best bargain. And my friend, the sommelier, said, you asked me what the best bargain on the list is. And this is the best bargain. All the other wines on the list are marked up at a much higher percentage than this one. The margin between what this bottle costs us and what we sell it for is by far closer than any other bottle on the list and therefore it, it really is the best bargain. He followed up. Now, if, if you would like me to give you a recommendation for wines based on some other criteria, I am totally happy to do that. The customer was so taken by my friend's explanation that he actually, the customer actually bought the bargain bottle. This story brings up for me a dilemma that pastors have faced with churches since nearly the very beginning of organized congregations. Here is the dilemma. Many churches throughout history and around the world have said essentially, we think that our relationship with God is important enough that we are going to build a, a space devoted to this relationship and we're going to designate at least one person to make their main work in life helping us understand and strengthen our relationship with God. As a pastor, that is my job. This is my job is to try to understand how is it that God is at work in our world and in our lives and figure out how to strengthen our relationships with God within these circumstances of life. And you all have felt that this is important enough that you pay me to do that. You pay me so that I can focus on this work full time. In addition, this building that we're live streaming from was built over 100 years ago to help facilitate this pursuit of life with God and we have continued to feel that this space is helpful enough that we maintain it and use it. So, when you show up on a Sunday morning, like in the old days or these days when you live stream on a Sunday morning and you say essentially, so what do you think God might have for us today, Rev? And I say, well, I think God may want us all to look at giving more money away you have to ask yourself, hmm, is that message motivated by what might be truly helpful for our lives, or does the Rev want a new car? This is the dilemma that Paul addresses with the Philippians in this morning's text. Not that he was looking for a car, but this whole question about whether he's telling the truth about giving. And this is one that Paul confronted with all, or essentially all, of the congregations that he ever established. As I mentioned last week, the Philippians had sent Paul 
a generous gift of money to help him with his provisions while he was imprisoned because the in those in that system the the prisons didn't provide any food or anything so the prisoner was on their own for those types of provisions the philippians sent uh, a generous gift of money to help with that and uh, a good friend of paul's from the congregation a man named epaphroditus made the long journey to hand deliver the gift to paul and to visit with paul and in last week's section of the letter that we looked at Paul thanked, in his letter writing, he thanked the Philippians for the gift. But he also went out of his way to say, not that I needed it. Not that I needed it. And his point in that part of the letter was that he had learned the secret of contentment by being in communion with Christ, whatever his circumstances, plenty or want. Many of the commentators Uh, believe that uh, in that part and what we're looking at today that Paul was trying to be very careful not to make the Philippians feel that he was asking them for more money. At the same time, Paul knows very well the importance always of sharing what it is that we have, whatever we are able to share and how it helps both those who receive and those who give. So we hear Paul in this morning's uh, text, the part of the letter that we're reading, where he he has just thanked them, said, oh, not that I needed it, not that I was looking for a gift. He says then in continuing, yet it was good of you to share in my trouble troubles moreover as you philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel when i set out from macedonia not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except only you for even when i was in thessalonica you sent me aid again and again when i was in need clearly the money that they sent Paul was helpful for Paul. It helped him. But notice how he immediately follows up in verse 17. Not that I'm looking for a gift. Again, not that I'm asking for money. But I am looking for what may be credited to your account. Paul's main focus is truly on how their giving is good for them. And he continues on with this thought and elaborates on it in the next verse, verse 18. He says, I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received this gift uh, from Epaphroditus, received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God pleasing to God. He, he is noting how this is as much to do with their relationship, their relationship with God, not merely a helpful thing for Paul himself. And the language that Paul uses here throughout this is very significant. On the one hand, 
most of this part of the letter sounds actually very much like a business relationship, entirely a corporate transaction. The New Jerusalem Bible translation actually gets best at, uh, gets at the, the economic connotations of the original. They, they translate it, uh, no church other than you made common account with me in the matter of expenditures and receipts. That's almost literally how it reads, it read in the original Greek. That's how it would have sounded, the matter of expenditures and receipts. What I value, Paul writes, is the interest that is mounting up in you, your account. Paul sounds like he's a converted IRS agent. And oddly, that was the language of relationships that was used in Greece at the time. And so Paul is using that language because that was what would be familiar for most of this that he talks about, that's the language he uses, but he also adds language of a very different background that reveals his view of their gift. And that's that part that we read in 18 when he says, I've received full payment now that I've received this wonderful gift that Epaphroditus brought from you all. These gifts are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. That is the language of the Hebrew scriptures about God's people bringing sacrifices to God in the temple. For Paul, their giving is an act that strengthens their relationship with God, not only with Paul. And this likening of a gift of money to Paul with a temple sacrifice to God reveals that ultimately this isn't about money or Paul. The goal for God's people is to share however we are able for the benefit of all people, including ourselves. Listen again to God <clears throat> speaking through Isaiah in our Hebrew First Testament reading. It starts out with this uh, scenario, God saying, let everyone know that I'm upset. I, I, I'm not pleased with what they are doing. Um, for the, after the day, day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know me. They ask me for just decisions. Um, they say things like, we have fasted. We have done what we are supposed to religiously. We have fasted and you have not seen it. We have humbled ourselves and you have not noticed. Yet on the day of your fasting, God says, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. I can't read that and not think about some of the scenes from the, the situation in Washington, D.C. yesterday. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a person to humble themselves and pretend that they are... Um, doing something hum humble. 
Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, from other human beings in need. Then, if you do those things, then your light will shine. If you do away with the yoke of oppression and the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will be like the noonday. God's concern isn't about fasting or burnt offerings or a monthly electronic transfer of funds. God's concern is that we all share whenever, whatever, however we are able. That all people might share in the life that God wants for all people. Both those in need and those who are able to provide. Listen again to Jesus talking about how things will be accounted for at the end of things. When the Son of Man comes, he'll say to some, come on in, enter God's kingdom. It's been waiting for you because I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit me. I was in prison and you came to me. And again, notice it's not just about money. It's about sharing whatever it is that we are able with those who are in need, but it has some eternal impact for everyone. And, and to those who don't do those things, it has this e eternal impact. And so the, the profound unity of the whole of life is on display here that when anyone is in need in a sense all of us are in need and when anyone else and when anyone provides everyone benefits somehow in a way that is viewed from god's kingdom standpoint not only for this life but for for life to come the joy for me this morning as a pastor is that like Paul, I can say all this in verse 17, not that I'm looking for a gift, not that I'm asking for money, but I'm looking that it may be credited for what may be credited to your account. Your financial gifts have been more than enough to pay the bills at Queen Anne Presbyterian Church, of course, with a little help from our renters, Kavanaugh and Irene and Grupo de Uego, but, but the gifts are, are, are plenty to cover what we need to cover. In fact, the financial gifts from this congregation have been more than enough and used additionally to provide earphones for hundreds of elementary school students who have to attend school remotely from somewhere, uh, a situation that maybe isn't quite as quiet as it is necessary for learning. So we've been able to provide earphones for 
kids in that situation. We've been able to help carry the burden of some impacted by the economic shutdown because of the coronavirus. We've even been able to, as a congregation, uh, even though we're not able to put together in person the hygiene packs that we have done for, for years now uh, and been able to give to homeless women through the WHEEL organization. But even so, Susanna has ordered and delivered boxes and boxes of hygiene items that WHEEL has distributed directly. And just so that you get an idea of, of what this means to those who receive this, they, sent, uh, they, they frequently will send us a, a letter of thanksgiving. Um, and this one is from the most recent, recent dear faithful supporters and friends at Queen Anne Presbyterian. The Women of Wheel Shelter can't thank you. Wheel stands for, by the way, Women's Housing Equality and Enhancement League. The Women of Wheel Share, uh, Shelter can't thank you enough for your thoughtful and loving donations. Hygiene supplies are in high demand and your ongoing support means we don't have to worry when emergencies arise. They share some, some comments from different uh, women. It's always comforting to know that you cared enough to think of us. We're so grateful for your generosity and kindness in anticipating what we might need on a day-to-day -day basis. Hygiene supplies are super expensive and we can't put them on our EBT cards. I did not know that. We can't put them on our EBT cards, so thank you. I love this one. The way services are, services are laid out in this city are like Swiss cheese. There are so many holes. Without your generosity, we would be stuck in a hole with nothing. God bless you. <clears throat> you are a godsend. And then the, the director of the shelter writes, you overwhelm us with your dedication to our shelter. Your commitment to our community is heartening and beautiful. Please let us know if there's anything we can do for you. Well, part of it is this. Part of it is letting us know that it, it actually does help and it's appreciated because that makes us feel like we are sharing in life. We're sharing what we have with those who are in need and they're sharing what they have, which is, is right now, it's, a, it's a, even just a, a, a thanks, uh, and a, you know, a sharing in what it means to them that we can be a part of this together. And again, uh, who knows when any one of us might ever be in uh, the opposite situation. And to know that there are people who share when any of us share all benefit. Whenever we share however and, and whatever we are able, all of us benefit. In recent days, it has looked increasingly as though the long national nightmare of uh, a selfish, selfish, uh, excuse me, self-serving administration will soon come to an end. Unfortunately, the damage done will be unfolding for years to come. There are brothers and sisters, human beings, our own flesh and blood all around us who are getting ill, who are losing jobs, who are unable to find shelter, who are unable to find peace or of mind or peace in their souls except through drug use. There are lands and seas and creations of God that are being destroyed by human indulgence and indifference. 
There are and there will be profound needs that will require the care and resources of our entire country. In response, excuse me, about to sneeze. In response this morning, Paul reminds us of two essential truths to which we hold fast. One is when we share whatever, however we are able, all life benefits. And Paul's closing assurance in verse 19 is that our God will meet all our needs according to God's glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, all you have to do is decide if I'm telling the truth or if I just want a new car. All right.